0: Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Mike Donaghy, who is the lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist for 10th Avenue North. So stay tuned. Welcome back everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host Tyler Bronick, and thank you for tuning in today. I am super excited for today's episode with Mike Donahue who is the lead singer, songwriter and guitarist for 10th Avenue North and he's a whole lot more. Uh, in this conversation we talk about a lot. We talk about his his childhood back story, upbringing, how he got into music. It was not his first love. Uh, he had many other dreams, um, but how music began to take form in college. Uh, we discuss his latest book, Finding God's Life for My Will. His presence is the plan. His first book poured a lot of heart and soul into into this project. Um, over the years, he he really walks through his entire life in this book. Uh, so. For a condensed version, in about 30 minutes, you're going to hear a bit more about that. Um, we discuss some of his uh, his struggles and challenges, but also joys uh, in this process, uh, and also with his latest album, No Shame, as well. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation, and hope that you enjoy this episode with Mike Donaghy. Mike, thanks so much for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast.
1: Yeah, bro.
0: What are we going to talk about? <laughs> got got a lot of got a lot on the uh, on the agenda. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll 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 dig right in. We'll dig right in.
1: Let's
0: uh, go. So thanks you're, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. You've got a lot lot going on right now. It's an exciting time uh, of the year. Kind of closing out this summer um, with with both your, your your new book, your new album. Uh, and just just, just kind of where you are right now in life. Um, let's 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 say let's start first with the book. Uh, congrats on your latest, Finding God's Life for My Will. His presence is the plan. Uh, congratulations. Can you share a bit more about the the inspiration and the uh, the backstory that that cat, that catalyzed this book?
1: Oh man, yeah. So uh, the book, Finding God's Life for My Will. Uh, Basically, I'm just responding to the most often asked question I receive, which I'm assuming I get just from being on stage and people think, oh, you must have really figured life out to get on stage. Um, So people are always asking me, when did you know this was God's will for your life to be a musician, to sing in this band? And I always... Taken by the shoulders and look de- dead in their eyes and say, I don't. And I never did. Mm. And they go, what? I said, scripturally speaking, God's will for your life is gratitude, and his will for your life is joy, his will for your life is humility. When you're asking me for is something God's never given me, which is God's never given me a secret plan to know what's coming. He's always wanted to whisper in my ear about the next step, and that's about as much as he gives me. And so I kind of flip the phrase instead of asking God's will for our life. Why not, you know, really concentrate on letting God's life come and change our will?
0: Mm-hmm. Love that, love that. And um, I know, so I know a bit more about your backstory. I'd love to hear um, how you how you got into music. I know that. It wasn't your first love, uh, or at least wasn't maybe your 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 biggest your biggest dream when you were younger. Can you talk about um, when that kind of some of your childhood, what your childhood was like, uh, and then how you uh, kind of found your way to picking up a guitar?
1: Yeah, I uh, yeah, you know, like any kid, I dreamed of being an NBA basketball player. Uh, well, I guess not every kid dreams of that, but I did. And then I reached my formidable five foot eight inch frame. And Realized maybe that wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, yeah. And uh, but I still rain threes in my local YMCA. Let me tell you what. Anyway. Um, oh yeah. But I, when I was a senior in high school, I got in a near fatal car accident. I got thrown out of a car 50 miles an hour, and I broke my back in two places. And uh, I flatlined five times on the way to the hospital. Actually, they say. And the craziest part is. The next couple weeks as I'm laying on my back, uh, that's the first time I asked to learn how to play guitar because I was just bored out of my mind. And uh, I get to college, and I I realize I'm not going to be a basketball player, so I'm going to do acting. I always loved acting. Hmm. I was terrible at the guitar, mind you, at this point because I just was learning how to play it. I mean, I, I waited until my senior year of high school to start playing. And wouldn't you know it, all the parts... In all the school plays, I didn't get anything. Nothing. I was just so mad. Uh, But lo and behold, uh, some guys that, you know, shared a, like a, you know, dormitory. Like, hey, you want to jam? Yeah, let's jam. And we started this band. And then by my senior year of college, I'm turning down roles at school in the school plays because we're doing all these concerts around the state. And uh, it's just been my experience, like, just can't hold your dreams too tightly, Hmm. because God may be taking away one dream, but it's it's been my experience, He's always putting something new in your hands. And I think it was St. Augustine, he said, Hmm. God's always trying to give us good things, but our hands are too full to receive them. Um, And so a lot of us, we haven't experienced the new dream because we just are strangling the life out of the mm-hmm. one that isn't going the way we want it wow
0: um, yes yeah, so it sounds like you're you when you're when you loosen up your grip uh, to what you're holding on to you're able to find a little bit more freedom or maybe a lot more freedom uh, to what you were previously experiencing
1: yeah uh, or follow your dream further down like follow the desire deeper down I know so many people who go I want to be famous I want to be famous I go man see God knows the dream under that dream if you follow that dream far enough down you realize your dream isn't to be famous your dream is to be known and loved mm-hmm. and God will definitely give you that dream yeah. you know uh, and then we rage when I didn't get the part or I didn't get the thing and and it's like that's because God wants to give you the dream under the dream
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow powerful um can you so I, I have your book right out in front of me right now. And I've been—I haven't gotten all the way through it, uh, but I will, um, and you can hold me to it. But um, I have—I have a favorite chapter in the book. What—what what was your favorite chapter to write, and kind of reflecting on now, what was—what uh, brought you the most joy?
1: Yeah, I think my favorite uh, chapter was a chapter called "The Naked Marine," where I talk about me and my buddies trespassing at a scuba site, and the guy that owned it showed up. And as he's screaming at us, he actually shot off a bottle of pepper spray into his pants. And we didn't know this at the time, but this, like, 300-pound Marine dude just starts tearing off all his clothes and jumps naked into the water, splashes about like a like a enraged dolphin. And uh, that was a lot of fun to recount and remember mm. and put down wow. on paper.
0: Wow. Exciting! Exciting! I, I, I was looking, <laughs> exciting, he says. I I don't. <laughs> I I I'm gonna have to read that chapter. I think it's. I think that's one where you have to read it to really get the full effect. Um, yeah, the, yeah.
1: The, the naked marine, bro. Naked marine, and I, and I and I argue for. I I do make a point, um, and that is that uh, uh, the cure for ego isn't more affirmation. The cure for ego is being. In awe of another, and uh, I was definitely in awe of that Marine that day, and completely mm. forgot about myself for a moment.
0: Wow, well, wow. Well, um, one one chapter I, I, I wanted to, to just to briefly touch on uh, in your book is cap, capitalistic Christianity, uh, and something that I um, have been kind of wrestling with recently, and uh, was refreshing to to hear, um, and just. I wanted to hear more about the thought process about uh, about this chapter for you. Uh, you know, one, one of your one of your headers is the the second applause, um, and to kind of piggyback on this last point, you were you were just mentioning, rather than kind of uh, letting it sink into you, kind of po- pointing that that applause in that direction to to God and who God is. Um, can can you explain a little more about this chapter and, and what you, for readers for readers obviously who haven't uh, had the chance to read it yet? What uh, a little bit more about this this chapter?
1: Yeah, um, capitalistic Christianity. Huh. So I worked at a church for seven years, and I've just noticed for a lot of us, hmm. we grow up in a capitalistic society, and we don't ever pay attention to how much that bleeds into what we think about God. And because in some ways, I guess they're congruent, but in some ways they're diametrically opposed to one another. Hmm. Right. Hmm. So for instance, um, capitalism works on this, this mantra that, you know, the least amount of investment, greatest amount of return. Hmm. And you got to think, If the gospel's true, right, if if the Son of God died for sinners, then he totally upended that system, Mm. because he's the greatest investment, dying for sinners, who can never return to him. None of us are the king of heaven, right? Mm. So, like, for God to save us is a really poor investment strategy, Mm. and... That means in some ways like to be a business owner, a kingdom minded business owner, you're going to have to make choices that might actually not be the best for your business because they're actually the best for your people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Um, yeah. and, uh, And and we just don't think that way, like. We think of people, the people who make the most money, the people who are the most popular, they're the biggest and the best. And God is the best, and he takes off his godness and goes after the least, Mm -hmm. right? And he says, whatever you do, the least of these you do unto me. So he flips the whole thing upside down. So when I get applauded, right, because you're talking about the second applause, Mm -hmm. the second applause is... I'm painfully aware of how demented it is as a singer that I'm going to get applauded for merely showing up to work when I come on stage. Mm -hmm. I show up to work. People start cheering me. There's no mailman doing his daily route today. Who's got groups of people waiting at their mailbox, just cheering for him when he shows up. Although they should, you know? Right. Um, And in some ways it's okay. Like, when God creates the world, he, back, he steps back after each day and he applauds himself. He's like, that's good. Look what I made. That's good. So there's there's a right applause of, I can't believe you wrote that song. It's so beautiful. I love it. Applause. It's good. That's great. That's godly. But the problem is the second applause, which says, you must be so spiritual to have written that song you you just must be like the best ever mm-hmm. and so the second applause is like believing your own hype mm-hmm. as it were and i want i want to be aware of where capitalism says this is worth your time this is worth your time this isn't worth your time to remember that if you look at jesus walking around on the earth he was constantly giving value to the people whom the society said had no value.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, abs- abs- ab- absolutely. And you're um, kind of just this, this elevation above where we need to, where, above where our platform should be. or uh, it's, it, it can turn our intention and our posturing into what we're seeking for and seeking the goal or seeking or what we're looking to, to run away with at the end of the day uh, and I mean,
1: I, yeah I think we're, we're all constantly being tempted to make our story the point Right. I mean we even all have an insta story where we are the star of True. our own reality show mm-hmm. and um, it goes sideways really fast when you're the center of the story because you're not meant to be the center of the story you're meant to be a peripheral supporting character in the story of God
0: Mm -hmm. can you uh can you talk a bit more about this year for you and how uh you've been able to find some freedom in your writing your playing and your time with family and just kind of what this year has brought for you
1: um yeah man I think in some ways I hope I'm maturing uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely can say I'm maturing in like not letting what people think of the art I'm making ruin me. I, I remember when we put out our first record 12 years ago I remember I would read the reviews on iTunes and if someone didn't like it it would just devastate mm. me and now I just read the reviews on our new record and it was like five horrible reviews and people like I hate this this is the worst thing they've ever put out what happened to their first record why can't they just make it sound like their first record and now I have a healthy perspective where I go good I'm glad they hate it because it is so different and my tastes have changed and they want me to make the same thing I made 12 years ago so I'm really glad that person hates it because if they didn't I think then it would mean I did something wrong Right. You know, so you're kind of able to really realize that, a, I'm not assigned to everyone. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, there's some yeah. truths I'm going to communicate, some ideas about God, that you know what? They're not meant to be hugely popular. They're meant to be deep for few. For I, hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather, like, yeah. really be helpful changing the perspective of a few people than just being liked by everybody. Yeah.
0: yeah, a- Absolutely. And I feel like that it must be a, a, a big struggle being an artist, um, especially in, in the lane that you're in where there is kind of this pressure to, to be, to have this popularity that can meet a lot of people kind of going back into our, uh, into the, into our capitalistic, chapter here touching into it but but having this expectation of where you're supposed to be or the type of music you're supposed to producing you're supposed to be producing um and not not that not always being congruent with the message that you want to put out
1: Um, yeah yeah and like and especially when the art you're making your livelihood depends on it then you can really lose your perspective quickly Mm. and go it doesn't matter if i'm doing what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. It's not paying the bills. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you kind of have to, like... You really got to organize your priorities, and it's really hard to do, especially when you start making a living off of, like, like, say, your art, Mm. and to rearrange the priorities and go, you know what? Saying what I feel like I'm supposed to say is actually number one. And then people liking it is number two. As opposed to going... People liking it and me making a living off this is number one. And then getting to say what I feel like God's asking me to say is number two. two right. Does that make sense? And yeah, yeah, and being does. willing to go, you know what? If I don't make enough money off this to live, I'll figure out a different way to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean you're always gonna have people that, that say that they miss the old Tenth Avenue north, but uh at some t- t- some point, it's, you, you're going to change and you're going to grow, and as you said, mature to different, just to a different, uh, to a different lane, or maybe the same lane, but just a different part, a different, uh, uh, just a different angle that you're that you're taking. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Our last record was called "The Things We've Been Afraid to Say," no. which all those songs are specifically about things that we felt our genre doesn't address that they should. Right. And we went, well, this one isn't going to be popular, mm-hmm. you know, because these are the things people don't want to talk about. But there's this really beautiful thing that Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. Uh, I think it's the message version puts it this way. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, hmm. hey, you you guys think your job is to be popular. It's not. Your job is to tell the truth. And I realized that if I only sing about write about, talk about the things that make everybody feel good, then I'm not really telling the truth. I'm just selling the truth. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to sell the truth. Like, do I want to make a living at it? Sure. But I'd rather rather be poor and be telling what I feel God wants me to say than be rich and have my mouth shut, you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when when you're so especially with your your first book re- released here and also working on uh, no shame your, your latest album at the same time what kind of when you think kind of about your the the creative your creativity going into both your writing and into your music are you are you are you operating from similar spaces or are you, are, are you almost? Is what you're saying in each, in each kind of method of communication totally different?
1: Um, both. Both. You know, I mean, the book. I, I mean, I'm talking about my whole life. So, right. Obviously, there's going to be things that I'm not even going to bring up with the record, and the record I'm writing with bandmates. You know, mm-hmm. there's a group of us writing that. So, mm-hmm. this is like, what are all of us all? synergistically thinking and talking about right now, Mm. whereas the book is more like this is what I'm saying, what I'm thinking about in the last, you know, my whole life, and then specifically the last three years, where the record is really like over the last eight months, you know? Mm. So there's definitely a little overlap, but uh, I'd say they're pretty different themes, and I kind of, Mm -hmm. you know... It's weird. Like, I'm not dumb. I know that part of the reason I got a publishing deal is because people go, oh, you've got a bunch of fans that'll probably buy your book, right? Um, But at the end of the day, I didn't want to make my book a merch piece. Like, Hmm. here's an easy way to make some more money. It was, no, this is a whole thing that I really feel passionate about communicating. And that's why I purposefully, they're not called the same thing. They're not branded the same way. They're kind of, they're completely different entities on that respect. Uh, I told him, I said, I don't want to sell a book as, hey, this guy's a singer, buy his book too. I was like, if it's not worth reading, I don't want to sell it, you know? like, mm-hmm. But if, if it is like a piece of literature that is well written, like I want it to stand on its own two feet, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I, I love, uh, I'm looking at the some of the initial... Um, praise for for your book and i love your your daughter uh she says it's very like calming you know it's very peaceful you know like it's it's very good and it has lots of pages and i bet you would want to read it and i i just kind of come with when i come with that kind of mentality into the book it is almost like it's this it's this conversation that is like it's taking you down different places um and it, it, it almost feels like you're having just a conversation with the reader, uh, which is really refreshing Um
1: That, that is reads. very intentional. I put yeah. my daughter's – two of my daughter's reviews in there just because it's like I kind of wanted to take the seriousness out of it. Right. You know? Yes, this book is blah, 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 blah. Let yeah. me show you how the – you know, this really successful writer thinks it's really great. I'm like – Forget that, man. Like C.S. Lewis, I think he said something to the effect of, if you can't explain your thoughts on God to a five-year-old, you actually don't know what you believe. Hmm. So hmm. I if if what I'm saying about my spirituality or my belief system, if I can't articulate them in very simple terms, the chances are I'm using really big words to avoid actually having to be vulnerable. Right. At least I, that's what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I speak in platitudes, so I don't have to talk about my heart.
0: Yeah, part part of this vulnerability and transparency, obviously, uh, in in saying things that maybe not everybody would want to say or not feel comfortable uh, sharing to the public or even you know to themselves at some points. Um, one of I'm sure one of it was your uh, your hasn't uh, your. Hesitancy to trust God with your decision to marry your wife. Can you talk a little bit more about what was it that didn't allow you to commit, uh, and what was uh, what was that was the challenge in that process for you?
1: Yeah, I think I just was aware that my wife wasn't perfect, and so I didn't want to marry her because I didn't want to actually have to love somebody. No. Wow! <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. crap, God, this this woman yeah. isn't like absolutely perfect, so that means this is going to actually cost me something to like stay married to her. I don't know if I want to do wow. that. Um, and I, I, I realized and so I, I shifted cause I was having such a hard time cause on paper it all made sense. It's like, man, And she's amazing and I don't want to lose her, but what if someone better comes along? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at some point I switched my question to, should I marry this girl, yes or no, because God wasn't giving me an answer. And I shifted it to, well, how would I treat this girl if she was the one? And I realized that stringing her along while I was waiting on other options, that didn't seem like the most loving way to treat your future wife. So I didn't hear a yes or a no, so I just started moving toward what I wanted, and what I really Mm -hmm. wanted was to be with her. And, uh, And this is what I've kind of realized, man. There's a lot of guys who are like, yeah, man, I prayed and prayed a facet. God gave me an answer. We got married. I'm like, cool. Yeah, you prayed every day if you're supposed to marry that girl. But from the way I see you guys interact, it doesn't seem to me like you've been asking God how to love her every day. Hmm. Hmm. And I think we're, we're in this culture where we're obsessed with new beginnings, but we're not really interested in a faithful, long follow through. So and than... and I want my relationship with God, I don't want it to be a sprint, you know, and over, I want it to be a marathon. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's kind of shifting from this waiting on to just living into type of mentality. It, it, it's, it's,
1: it's um, yeah, go with what you heard last until god tells you differently <laughs> right That's um good. The, I, I liken it to there's there's two examples in scripture um one when the israelites come up to the red sea and moses prays and th- the waters part and they walk across on dry land but there's another time when they're going into the promised land they have to cross the jordan river and this time god actually tells the priests to walk into the water with the ark of the covenant and I think they're up to their knees or something before the water starts to part. Yeah. And I just go and, and so sometimes God does, you just boom, it's so clear, it's like, oh now I know what I'm supposed to do, the Red Sea parts. But sometimes he calls you to start wading into the Jordan River before you have all the answers.
0: Got it, got it. Wow, yeah. So so kind of being okay in the mess, being okay in the uh, in the uncertainty in the in the middle.
1: It it seems to me that God's really interested in faith. And annoyingly, having faith means not having all the answers. Right. If you have all the answers, you can't have faith. You just have certainty. That's right.
0: That's right. Um, wrapping up, just wanted to to close out uh, on just to hear where uh, kind of the, maybe the direction, some aspirations that you have as a group with Tenth Avenue North, and just where you're looking to. To go moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, I think before you could have asked me that, and I'd been like, "Man, we want to get our streaming numbers up from <laughs> one million to two million a month." And, you know, I, I want this song to go number one. And now I'm going like we have a song on our new record called "Someone to Talk To." And before, I think I would have said, "Yeah, I want this song to go number one on radio." And now I'm going. I'm hoping for a hundred messages from a hundred different people Mm. about how that song inspired them, um, to a deeper level of community, Mm. maybe an AA group or, um, accountability with someone or confession in some deep way. Right. And I think those are sort of the metrics we're going to start looking at. Um, like success versus popularity, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does make sense. Um, and just finally, where, uh, where can people stay in touch with you, uh, all that you're doing, um, if they would like to get a, get a hold of your book too, where they can find that and anything else that you want to share.
1: I don't know if you've heard of this thing, but there's an interconnected, um, computer system that allows computer networks to communicate to each other i think al gore invented it is called the internet Internet. and it's a amazing i'm just being an idiot uh if you go to Com, you can you know, we've got instagram twitter facebook uh books on there um records on there yada 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 all the places all the places one would go
0: sweet deal um, well, thanks so much, Mike. It's been a, it's been a joy having you on. Hearing a, a bit more about your book, Tenth Avenue North, uh, but just more importantly, just you uh, and, and, and w- everything that's uh, going on in your life. So, thanks for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast today.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me.